0: Because he lives, we're here this morning. You realize that? No resurrection, no gospel, no hope. But because he lives, we are here and celebrating together. So let's talk to the Lord a moment. Lord Jesus, please, in your own inimitable way, Take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. Take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. Make your way amongst us. Come spend a moment with each of us one by one. Just as we have asked you, so we trust you will. Speak to us. Just the message we need to hear. We pray this for your namesake, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, it's amazing what gets you to church. Easter is a great occasion. I know one lady who, uh, beautiful young woman actually, whose mother had prepared... The flowers, not this set of flowers. This was several years ago. And uh, her mother had been responsible for the beautiful arrangements for Easter. So she, a young lady who had been trained as a lawyer, came to see her mother's arrangement. And she met Jesus. She came out and said to me, I came to see my mother's floral arrangement." And I met the Lord. Just a couple of weeks ago, I ran into her in a parking lot here nearby. And uh, still loving on Jesus. I actually went to church chasing a girl who'd broken my heart. First time ever in a worship service. It's amazing what gets you there. But that was the beginning of a journey for me that transformed my life. Let me tell you about a scene in Arlington, Texas. There was a great gathering with an organization called Promise Keepers several years ago, a men's organization. Tens of thousands of men had gathered there in Arlington, Texas. Going into the Texas stadium, they'd spent Friday evening there were due to spend the whole of Saturday. And uh, they'd found their place to sleep that Friday night, got up, went to a restaurant to get breakfast somewhere, and then make their way to the stadium. It wasn't just that the stadium was full, the field was full of men. A brilliant scene. Well, this group of men were having their breakfast together on that Saturday morning before they made their way into the stadium, and standing outside was a street person, derelict, watching them eat. As they got up and left the restaurant, he approached this group of men and said, would they give him a few dollars to buy something to eat? They said, we'll do more than that. We'll sit with you. They took him back in and bought him breakfast and sat there chatting with him and with one another about what the day held. He picked up on that and asked whether he might be able to go with them. They asked him what his circumstances were. He said, years ago, I left my family back in Alabama. His southern accent betrayed him as being somewhere from the deep south. And he said, I was just a waste, useless, bringing my family down. I was going nowhere. It seemed best for me just to leave them and let them get on with life. So here I am, from one city to another, and begging for a breakfast here this morning. They said to him, we saw a group of men from Alabama, they had crimson t-shirts on and Alabama right across the front, large white letters. If we can get you in, maybe you can chat with some of your state acquaintances, so to speak. They got him in. Wouldn't you know it, they ran into the gang from Alabama They went over and started chatting with them and suddenly one of the men in the Alabama crowd said to this derelict off the street, you are my dad. Come on home. We're doing well. We'd love to have you home. We've missed you. Come on home. That day was the beginning of the rest of that man's life. He not only got home with his family, he got to know Jesus. Just that one man. You've got to get that picture in the crowd of tens of thousands. And his son meets him and welcomes him home. We're in the middle of a series, it looked like it was going to be the end of the series called Face to Face with Jesus. You see the picture up on the screen, traditional picture of Jesus and a contemporary man looking at him face to face. And what we've been doing is making our way through various encounters that Jesus had with individuals in the Gospels and seeing ourselves in the face and life circumstance Of those individuals. No less so this morning. I began by saying, I don't know how you got here. Whether it was through a family relationship or you saw some advertising, you've turned up. And you are here. Not just to be with us, but to have this face to face encounter. With Jesus. You take Mary Magdalene, who was at the tomb. The disciples had all returned back to Jerusalem. She was there weeping. Mary Magdalene. She only turns up one other place in the Gospels than at the cross of Christ. And then the resurrection of Jesus... And that's early in Mark's gospel where she encounters Jesus and he casts demonic forces out of her. And she became one of the followers. A kind of unobserved, unnoticed follower until Calvary. She was there at the cross when Jesus was executed. She helped put him in the tomb. She got back there early. And here she is weeping all by herself. And she sees a visage and through her tears thought it was the gardener. And she says to him, supposing him to be the gardener, as it turns out it's Jesus, where have you laid my Lord? You tell me. She'd supposed that he'd been party to his removal from the tomb. I'll bring him back, she said. Like she was going to do that by herself. All Jesus said was her name. Mary. That's all he said. Mary. And invested in that statement, that word, her name said by Jesus, Mary. She knew who he was, and she also knew that he knew who she was. And she cried out, Rabbi, teacher. broken hearted Mary a life transformed with all the hopes and dreams of a future and Jesus is slaughtered on the cross viciously killed laid, broken, scarred beaten, dead and she is there to finish off a funeral to see that he's properly embalmed and he turns up alive, just with her, no crowd scene, just her, and names her, Mary, and in speaking to her, she knew that all the hopes and dreams of her life were not lost, were not done, were not dead, that her Savior was alive. That there really was hope of a future and a kingdom and a heaven. One can only surmise what it was she grasped. But in that moment she knew that Jesus was alive and that he loved her. Miraculously alive from the grave, alive from the dead, alive from the beating. And he loved her. No less so. If you're one person sitting here this morning, your heart is breaking within you. You don't know why you've stayed for the rest of the service. The joy that's being expressed here is not your joy. You've come looking for maybe a slither of hope. And Jesus meets you and he says your name. Hear him say your name. Mary, Robin, Mark, Charlotte, Susan, Harry. Hear him say your name. Close your eyes a moment. Hear Jesus say your name. And as you hear him, you know he loves you. And you have this moment here. With him, he is the one who mends broken hearts. He's here for you. In Mark's gospel, there is another instance. You've got these varieties of encounters. In this one, in Mark, Mary is sent back to the disciples and she is told, go tell the disciples and Peter that I will meet them. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Why Peter? Why earmark Peter? Why go tell the disciples and Peter? Most of you get it. The last time Peter saw Jesus alive, he had just disowned Jesus, betrayed Jesus in effect said he didn't know Jesus, had nothing to do with Jesus, cursed and spoke to those who were accusing him of being with Jesus as if cursing made it all the stronger a reason for them to believe he didn't know Jesus and had no part of Jesus. And just then Jesus walks by and looks at Peter and the cock crows and Peter remembers. Jesus said to him before the clock crows, you will deny me three times. And as Jesus looked at Peter with a compassion and love and a strength, not in judgment, knowing his circumstance, knowing at that point how Peter's heart just fell apart he looked Peter never forgot that look and he went out and wept and wept bitterly says the scripture a grown tough fisherman broken and sobbing Go tell the disciples and Peter. Some of you here this morning, without question, have blown it so badly in your past. You remember a day when maybe you got serious about the Lord. and You had serious intentions of being a man or woman of consequence for him. And you have denied any association with him by your lifestyle, by the people you've spent time with, going along with, going along with the crowd, playing the game of the crowd, as if you don't belong to Jesus. There are people in your life who would never guess you know Jesus. And even as I say it, you know that Peter... having denied Jesus and seeing Jesus look at him you see that same look, Jesus looks at you he knows where you've been he knows what you've been up to he knows how badly you have let him down betrayed your alliance And any kind of allegiance to him. Amazingly, Jesus again singles out Peter on the shores of Galilee, takes him to one side. And in that encounter, in just a few weeks, some of us are going to be right at that spot. He asks Peter, do you love me? Three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times Peter affirmed his love, you know I love you. Three times Jesus said, feed my sheep. Tend my flock. Feed my little ones. Reinstating Peter. The three questions matching his three denials. Three opportunities To affirm his love. And in the eyes of Jesus be restored in that love and relationship. And in that restoration, commissioned, recommissioned. Back in place, back in the team. Peter had already discarded himself, discounted himself. He's back in with Jesus, with the team, on mission. Is that you? To meet Jesus this morning? This resurrection morning? And experience Jesus. He gives you the opportunity to affirm again your love for him. To tell him you love him. If you know and love the Lord Jesus, you are going to be invited to the Lord's table here. And you'll come and kneel at these kneelers at the front here. And receive the bread and the wine. As you kneel down in your own heart. You say to Jesus. I love you. I love you. I love you. As if coming to Jesus. Let him restore you. You don't have to leave here with the miserable failure of your past. Receive the Lord Jesus back as he receives you back into his life and team. One other, again, singular circumstance. Isn't this extraordinary? Here is Jesus. He's just fulfilled all the law and the prophets, he's just died in a monumental sacrifice to pay for the sins of the whole world. He's walked from the grave alive, beating death, beating the grave, giving affirmation to the truth that he really is our Savior, really is our Lord, that it's really true, and that he really is here and alive. And he singles out people, just ordinary little individuals like you and me. No less in this case. I want to read it to you. This is about Thomas, who was a twin, one of the twelve. I'm reading from John chapter 20, verse 24. It says of Thomas, one of the twelve, he was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Another circumstance where the disciples together had seen Jesus, but Thomas wasn't there. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, which had been speared, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, that is to keep out anybody who would come after the disciples. Now Jesus was gone, as they thought. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him my Lord my God to which Jesus said because you have seen me you have believed blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed can you imagine Thomas suddenly Jesus is there he hasn't come in through the door Suddenly, amongst the disciples, he is present and immediately singles out Thomas and does so in such a way as to say, here's my hand, put your finger in the mark. The nail print. What on earth do you think went through Thomas's mind? For sure, number one, he is alive. He's alive. Second thought. How did he know I had challenged the other disciples and said, I will not believe unless I put my finger in the nail prints? How did he know that? Because here is Jesus calling him to account. He gets it. Just as he arrived on that scene at that moment and was visible, A week before, when Thomas had disavowed any faith, Jesus was there, unseen, but present, and heard him express fiercely his doubt Unless I see, I will not believe. And all he can say when he sees Jesus and gets it is, My Lord. My God. Not blasphemy. Worship. Surrender. To which Jesus said, blessed are those who, having not seen, believe. You believe because you've seen. I've asked Jesus from time to time to show himself to me. Like, settle the deal, Lord. Because I know people who've seen the Lord. My own brother, back 20 years or so ago, heard the Lord speak to him. I've not had that either. I'll tell you this. When Jesus said, blessed are those who without seeing believe, he is pronouncing a different kind of blessing. That faith has its own rewards. I was not raised to go to church. Having chased that girl to church, the pastor got a hold of me one evening and asked me to go hear Billy Graham, who'd turned up in London. This is years and years ago when he was the young, strident chap in his early 30s. I said I'd go. That invitation changed my life. I went to hear Billy Graham. And that evening asked Jesus to come into my life. For all the years of questions and doubts and wonders and arguments that I had assailed a believer with, that night I yielded my life to Jesus. And I tell you, the joy I felt as I left that arena and made my way across London home was amazing. It confirmed in my soul that I was clean on the inside for the very first time in experience, human experience. I felt clean, clean, clean on the inside. I knew heaven was my home when I died. My dad had committed suicide when I was seven. Here I am now, nearly 18 about 10 years or so later, I knew then that I had a father in heaven, my heavenly father, who would never, ever forsake me, never disappear on me, never walk out that I never see him again. I was thinking of that as I drove to church earlier this morning. How did my dad ever walk out on me Give me that last goodbye kiss. My dad used to sing me to sleep. I remember the song he sang. Little man, you've had a busy day. How do you do that? But I knew that my father in heaven would never, ever abandon me and beyond that i knew that my life was going to count for something because i had jesus in it how can you have the living loving lord jesus in your life and be a nothing i knew in that evening existentially i hadn't read the bible i didn't know all these promises i was a neophyte but i had jesus and I knew my life was going to count substantially for him in some significant way. Are you looking for a cause, a mission? It's all wrapped up in believing, trusting, and the blessing is that it's a consummate coming together of God's plan for your life, a forgiveness that wipes all the misery and brokenness of the past away and fills you with himself to set you on a course of living your life with an end in mind and the ultimate is to go home to be with him in heaven. That was joy. I went skipping through the streets of London. I didn't mind who looked at me. I swung around lampposts, swung on shop lines. It was like singing in the rain. Is that potentially you here this morning? Let me close with yet another scene. I heard about a pastor at an evening worship service in a small church. When he stood to lead the worship, he saw somebody out in the very small congregation that he knew, an old, old friend. Some of you have seen me do this at the church. I see someone I know, and I 'll either introduce them to you or even call them up. This pastor said, "I see an old, old friend here in the church. I 'm going to call him up to say a few words to you." He came up, this old gentleman. There were a couple of lads at the back of the church whose tradition it was to be in church and also whose tradition it was not to listen to anything that was said. They're chatting with each other, sending notes, mucking around at the back of the church when this old man stands up and says that there was a father who took his son and his son's friend out sailing. And as they were sailing, a storm Came on them off land, came off land at them. No way to get back to land. It was so violent it turned the boat over. The boys are thrown out of the boat. The dad's hanging on to the boat, and in the waves and the storm of the ocean. The dad has that rope that tied off the boat whenever they were parked somewhere moored. And in a flash, he sees his son and his son's friend. And he's got his hand in the rope to throw it to one of them. And he knows that his son loves Jesus. And that if his son dies drowning, he's going to go to heaven. Right there. But he knew the other boy was not a believer. And he threw that rope to the other boy. Now these two lads are like fixed, transfixed, looking at the preacher, the old man. The old man said that that chap never ever saw his son again. But the other lad was rescued, pulled him into the boat. They hung on to the boat. They were finally rescued. And then the fellow, in using that story as an analogy, said, That's how much God loves you and me. He gave up his son so that we might be saved. Prayed a prayer and sat down. Preacher got up, the pastor, the young pastor of the church, said a few words, had a closing hymn, gave a benediction, people left. But those two lads made a beeline for the old man. They said that was an amazing story. He said it was. They said it's not credible. No father would do that. He said, Well, God did that with his son. He said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no father in a boat with two boys there and one of them's his son would let his son drown like that and save the other boy. Just on the off chance that the other boy would become a believer and go to heaven. And the old man said, but it is true. I'm the dad. Your pastor is the boy who was saved. My son is the boy who was lost. It's real. That same Jesus who he was speaking about is here. You have a chance to settle this issue with him if you have not. Bow your heads with me, will you? Lord Jesus just as we began so we close in this moment of speaking to you before you call us to your holy table before we have the opportunity to kneel down before you and affirm our love for you right now Lord please for one or two of you this is a heartfelt prayer please Lord come into my life I give it up I surrender to you. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you for all that you have done for me. Thank you for your patience with me. Lord Jesus, forgive me all my evasions, all my excuses, all my arguments. As you speak to me and say, be no longer doubting, but believe. Lord I believe, I surrender, I'm yours, come and fill me with that blessing that you promised. Thank you, Lord Jesus.